0: I'm excited about the message tonight. We're continuing on the series, Questions God Asks. And so we look in the Bible and we recognize there are several places where God asks a question. Now, when God asks a question, does he ask that question because he doesn't know the answer? No. He knows What we will ask even before we ask it. So he has a more profound reason for asking the questions he asks. We're going to go to Jonah. Now you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah uh, was called upon by God to go minister to a place called Nineveh. A very wicked, wicked city. And Jonah did not like that idea at all. He went and jumped on a boat headed in the opposite direction from Nineveh. Then up comes a storm. Jonah realizes that it's his fault. He tells the people who are panicking on the boat, it's my fault. They toss him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish. He gets brought back to the coast. He gets spit out by that fish. And then he goes to Nineveh. Reluctantly. Preaches the gospel to Nineveh. The Ninevites hear what is said. They repent. And then... This is where we're at in the story. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did, bring, did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Remember, the message he told Jonah was, if you don't repent, I will destroy the city. But Jonah to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He is that upset that the Ninevites are going to be spared. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Verse 5. Now that is our question for the night. But verse 5, we're going to continue. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. He was suicidally angry, and now he is very happy. But, all right, very happy about the plant. Verse 7, but at the dawn of the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed hot on Jonah's head and he grew faint and he wanted to die. It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, again, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So in case it wasn't clear to Jonah in the first question, God provided a second set of circumstances to trigger that anger and then asked him the same question again. It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? So we look back at God's question. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Now, it's interesting, in this situation, it doesn't even tell us what Jonah responded just says God set up this other set of circumstances with the plant and then asks him the same question all over again. And then it tells us, at least that time, but I think it's implied he must have said the same thing the first time. Yes. Yes, I have a right to be angry. And I think it's interesting the point that God makes. He says, do you realize you didn't even toil for that plant? you didn't do anything to earn that plant you just felt entitled to it once it was there and (sighs) i was planning on talking a lot about anger but just in the last few minutes before service god was really putting on my heart to talk a little bit about entitlement i think that the holy spirit wants to to say something here it's interesting that God makes the point that you're concerned about this plant even though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But still, he did that. Do you How many of you remember the story of Naaman? Naaman was the man, he, he had a, a lep, a, the disease of leprosy. And he was a rich, powerful man, In a country near Israel and he had a slave girl from Israel who told him, you could be cured of leprosy if you go see the prophet of God in Israel. So he comes and he brings all of these gifts and he shows up and he wants to get healed. And instead of coming to the door, the prophet of God sends his servant who says, if you want to be healed, just go down to the river, dip seven times in the river Jordan, and you will be healed. And What does Naaman do? The Bible says that Naaman got angry. Very, very angry. And he said, and I quote Surely I thought that the prophet of God would come and wave his hand over the spot. Now, what was he angry about? He came to get healed. The prophet sent his servant and gave him an avenue by which to be healed. So far, nothing he technically came for had been denied to him except his expectations. Nothing he had toiled for. In fact, he came prepared to pay a great price. And he was actually upset that the opportunity... To pay that great price was being taken from him. So upset that he lost, his expectations were not being met. I want to, I want to ask, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to ask, what makes us angry? What are the expectations we have that we are so attached to that we're getting upset because they're not met do we, do we feel entitled to a certain person's attention do we feel entitled to be treated a certain way by somebody they didn't greet me the way they ought to you know I mean I, I've, I've been in this company for so long and I, tell you, I don't think they even know my name I've been coming to this church so long and, and, and that pastor or this person or that volunteer or that person, they didn't even. We expected something. And when we didn't get what we expected, how do we respond? Oftentimes, we respond with anger. We may have felt entitled to certain treatment, to attention. Maybe we felt entitled... To stuff? Maybe the person you, wanted, you, you voted for promised to give you something and then they didn't get elected. Or maybe they got elected and then they didn't do it. I mean, when it comes to displays of anger, I think that we have examples in our society today. If you're not tracking with me, I'm thinking of the State of the Union Address where he gets up and says, Hey, everything's going great. We've got record unemployment. We got this stuff. And what happens? Ah, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> Expectations, entitlements. Really, I'm not trying to stand on one side of the aisle or the other. I'm saying the question that God asked Jonah is it right? that you're angry. And then the, the logic that God applied to that, I think it applies so much wider than Jonah's situation. When we feel entitled to something, entitlement is not a biblical concept. I, I, again, this isn't where I expected to go, but I feel like this is where the Holy Spirit wants to go. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, For even when we were there with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some of you, some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with him. In order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as the enemy. But warn them as you would a fellow believer. A biblical principle. Is. That we. Work. For what we get. That we earn. Something that we don't. Get entitled. To even the food. That we eat. What makes us angry. Here's the thing. We might get angry because we're not getting something we expected. Where did our expectation come from? There's another parable in the Bible. Again, I'm going a little bit off, but I feel like this is where the Holy Spirit wants to go. How many of you remember the parable of the servants who went to work? And the Bible tells the story about the master of a field. And he goes in the morning... And he finds some people looking for work. He says, I will pay you a day's wage to work in my field for the day. They say, absolutely sounds like a deal. Off they go to work. Then he comes later in the day and finds more people looking for work. The other folks have been working for two hours. He comes to them and says, hey, would you work in my field today? Yeah, all right, I'll give you a denarii, which is a day's wage. So they go, and they work. And the story goes that he comes throughout the day at different times, finds people, and agrees to pay everyone a certain wage. Then, at the end of the day, after everyone has worked precisely according to what they they agreed to work, the folks who agreed and started in the morning got really angry. And the response was, Don't I have a right? Your expectation. You agreed. It was fine until you created another expectation. You felt entitled to something different than what was agreed. And now you're upset. See, what makes us angry? Are we angry because we've hit an unmet expectation? Or are we angry... Because we see an injustice. You realize the things that make you angry can be an indication of your calling. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Here we understand something. All anger is not wrong. All anger is not sin. Now God was talking to Jonah and that anger he had over unmet expectations. Jonah was all geeked about seeing the Ninevites get destroyed. And then when that didn't happen, he threw a tantrum. He was all excited about the plant that was giving him shade that he did nothing to deserve. Nothing to earn. He didn't do anything. Then he got upset. And God says, no, that's, that's not a healthy anger. When you create expectations and then get upset when your expectations are broken. Unfair expectations, by the way. But it is okay to be angry. But, but listen to this. So you get to be angry... But you do not, but don't sin. How do you avoid sin? Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to those who are in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for the edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of reputation. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another." We can sin. I, I like to think about anger the same way I think about my nerve endings. How many of you have ever touched a hot stove? When you reach out and touch something hot, your nerve endings say, back off, and you quickly pull away. I don't like the feeling of being burnt. But I am glad that my fingers tell me quickly about the situation. Why? Because if I didn't, I'd I'd left my hand there long enough to melt the skin. Right? If you had no way of knowing, what would happen? In fact, lepers, one of the things that happens in the disease of leprosy is that your sensation leaves and One of the reasons that that leprosy has so much damage on it is because the body does not recognize that it's being harmed. They stub their toes, they hit, jump, they can no longer feel pain. And historically, especially in old times when there was very little treatment, they would lose appendages, low circulation, but also because they couldn't feel the pain. And they would damage their bodies. You see, anger can be a good thing, but it's not meant to be sustained. Just like the pain when I touch that finger and I, I back off, I'm not supposed to just keep feeling the pain. When I back away, then the pain goes down. If I left it there long enough, then my pain's going to continue because they say, you need to treat this. You need to you've done damage to your finger anger can be okay when it's not long term and here's another interesting aspect luke or excuse me romans 12:19 says vengeance is mine says the lord romans 12:17 says repay no one evil for evil. Matthew 5:39 says, "Turn the other cheek." You see, scripturally there is no place for vengeance. When our anger is focused on revenge, it is always wrong. Always wrong. God says, "Vengeance is mine." Vengeance is mine. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the question. People come. As a pastor, and ask me about a situation, and I'll say, You know what? This has happened, and this has happened, and I'm hurt. And I say, Rightfully so. That was, that was a terrible situation. And then comes, I'm, I'm angry, and I want revenge. And God would say, Is it right that you are angry? If you are seeking revenge, that is wrong. If that anger is staying with you long term, that is damaging. You see, the reason God says forgive isn't because it wasn't wrong. He says forgive because keeping that bitterness and anger is poison to your body. It's poison to your mind. It's poison to your heart. He doesn't say to forgive because what happened was okay. He says forgive because the benefit of anger is not in the long-term holding of it. Be angry and sin not. It is, it is not, and then it says, do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. See, when we hold anger long-term, the Bible says that is giving place to the devil. There are different phases of, of anger. There's irritation. Minor discomfort brought by someone or something. You know, babies they, they seem angry. They're just their diaper's dirty and needs changed. That's not that, that they're irritated. There's indignation. Frustration over something unfair or unreasonable. And that can be healthy at a moment if you're being mistreated knowing to stand up walk away then there's wrath that comes with a desire a strong desire to avenge or punish and this is where God says give that to me we're getting beyond a point where it's healthy for you to keep this give that to me The Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. God says, I have a different strategy for you. And then, beyond wrath, is something called fury. Violence and temporary loss of control. This is when people get so upset, they do things and they'll they'll testify honestly later, I didn't even realize what I was doing. I just I just lost control. There's stories about that in the Bible. Jacob's daughter Dinah was raped by a prince. The brothers get revenge. The prince is trying to make things right and they just slaughter him. They slaughter him. They they sought the, the vengeance the bible says in ephesians 6:26 be angry and sin not do not let the sun go down on your wrath so what does that mean i'm going to go back to the question that jesus or god asked noah or jonah <laughs> jonah he said is it right for you To be angry. And I'm going to say. Long term. Jesus says the answer is no. He says always. Let go. Not even. Do you understand what that means? That means even when there's a righteous reason. God says holding on isn't to your benefit. Let me get the vengeance. You let it go. And by the way, if you're upset about unmet expectations, if you feel entitled to being treated a certain way, getting certain things, seeing others get their due, he says... No. You realize Jonah's original frustration. He wanted to see what he considered justice done against that wicked people. He wanted revenge against them for what he knew them to do, to have done. And God says, you know, why? Why can you have compassion for a plant but not compassion for these thousands of people. And God even says, and the animals. God is not for cruelty to animals. There we got it right there. Our place as as a Christian to keep the devil at bay is to pull that out. To let go. Philip's translation of Hebrews 12, 15 says, Be careful that none of you fails to respond to God's grace, for if he does, there can spring up in him a bitter spirit which can poison the lives of many others. I love the word respond there. Realize forgiveness is a response to God's grace the reason I forgive isn't because of them. Say it again. I forgive, say it with me. Say, I forgive, but it is not because of them. It isn't. You remember the parable of the unforgiving servant? The man who who owed a huge debt and he was forgiven and then he turned around and instead of passing on the forgiveness, he went and threw someone in jail who owed him a tiny amount. And God said, you wicked, unforgiving servant. Didn't you realize that the proper response to being forgiven is to forgive? How many of us recognize we have been forgiven? If we have been forgiven, then our response needs to be to forgive. And here's the thing. God promises that if vengeance is appropriate, he will make sure that it's delivered. We can't. Having that weight on us, trying to to create the scenarios where we inflict enough emotional damage and, and difficulty on Whoever it is that hurt us on our ex-spouse or somebody that really no, all you're doing is bringing that poison onto yourself. God says no, let it go. The Bible says, Proverbs sixteen thirty-two: He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Other translations say self-control. God is giving you a spirit of self-control. If you say, man, that's a really hard thing for me. Pray. Bring that to God. Say, God, I want to honor you in this area. Help me. I know he will do that. He says he gives you a spirit of self-control. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. See, sometimes we have it backwards and we think that getting angry with someone who does us wrong proves that we're, you know, tough stuff, that we're manly, that nobody can step on me. That's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the person who can overlook a wrong, that's the person Who is stronger? I think I shared this example before, but in the movie about Jackie Robinson, who was an African American baseball player before there were hardly any other African American baseball players. And when he was being recruited, the man comes up to him and says, What are you going to do if you go to uh, a venue? And people are heckling you and saying mean things and shouting stuff. And he says, why? Do you want me to to not do anything? Do you want me to be so weak that I don't respond? And he said, no, I want you to be so strong that you don't respond and that you show them Your value on the field. And it was a very powerful truth that it takes more fortitude to avoid getting angry than it does to vent your anger. And God says that He will bless us. It says, better to dwell, Proverbs 21 19, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious an angry woman or man Proverbs 25:28 Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken without walls Proverbs 29:22 An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression James chapter 3 verse 16 For everywhere for, sorry, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let's read that again. For where envying and strife is, where there is bickering and fighting and, and unforgiveness and, and rancor, there is confusion and every evil work. We read this once before, but let every, Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. Ecclesiastes 7 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of a fool. We can keep going and going. But the question I think that is answered in Scripture, is it right to be angry? The answer is, we can have righteous indignation. It is okay that when something is done wrong to you, that you respond and say, that is not right. But when we take it out, and then we say, okay, I am going to seek revenge, that is where we cross a line. If we look back and realize the thing that has triggered us that is upsetting to us is simply an unmet expectation for some entitlement that we thought we were due, no, let that go. Be wise. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath it is okay to respond in a situation with irritation, with frustration, that can, oh, but we don't dwell there. Because God says that wherever that envying and strife is, all evil abounds. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why? Because if you do, you give place to the devil. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you And I pray for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. Each of us have different situations. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would bring those situations to our minds right now. And if we have been unrighteously angry over unmet expectations show that to us now. If we have been pursuing vengeance for something but you, that you want us to give to you, Lord, show it to us now. With every eye closed, if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is bringing a situation or a person to your mind, I want you to raise your hand. Dear Heavenly Father, your word says if we desire wisdom, we can ask of it of you and you will give it to us. Lord, I pray for your wisdom for each and every person who your Holy Spirit is speaking to tonight. Lord, I ask that people would be freed from years of unforgiveness and bondage tonight. Lord, we rebuke the spirit of strife in this place. We rebuke the work of the enemy. We ask that you would guide us, that your spirit would be a light to our spirit, shining in those corners where we have hidden the desires for revenge the sense of entitlement. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Your word tells us you desire every good and perfect thing for us. You don't ask us to let these things go to somehow rob us of something, but you ask this so that you can bless us with so many things. Lord, I lift up every person who raised their hand. I declare your peace on them. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, and if your heart stopped today, you'd spend eternity with him, I want to ask you to raise your hand so awesome to see the family of God the Bible says know that you have salvation that means that if if you don't know that you're right with God you can know you don't have to wonder, you don't have to wait until you die to find out you can know it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead you will be saved Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. You see, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He paid that price so that you don't have to. But the Bible says you have to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. If you're here today and you want to do that, with your eyes closed again, I'm going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand. You're saying, I want to know that I'm forgiven I want to know that I'm right with God if that's you today I want to ask you to raise your hand right now I see one two three All right, everyone together but especially those of you who raised your hand let's pray we're going to do exactly what that verse said dear God thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins I believe he paid for my sin and rose from the dead. I make him the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.